Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Today, the first Sunday of Epiphany, or the Sunday within the octave of the Epiphany, the lectionary brings us to the story of Jesus being found in the temple by his parents, Mary and Joseph, at the age of 12. This story logically follows a timeline that we experience from Christmas, Christ's birth, until the time of the start of his public ministry when he performs the first miracle at the wedding of Cana. The Sunday after Christmas recapitulates from the Gospel of Matthew the story of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. Then we have Jesus presented for his circumcision on the octave day of the Nativity, and then, as we ushered in a new season on Epiphany, after the 12 days of Christmas, we read about the visit of the Magi, which happened sometime after his birth in the story we hear about today. That is, his finding in the temple when he was 12 years old. Then subsequently, we'll hear about his baptism and then the wedding at Cana. However, let's come back to today's account, which is only found in the Gospel of Luke. The story once again emphasizes the faithfulness of Jesus' parents of Jesus' parents and Jesus himself to God's commandments to the Jews. And here it notes that they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover each and every year, uh, which would allow them to be present for the sacrifices, the associated meal, and the week-long after-feast of unleavened bread. This trip, of course, was no minor event. By car, Nazareth and Jerusalem are about 90 miles apart, the distance from Atlanta to Macon. And it would take about, uh, according to a MAPS app, it would take about 30 hours of walking nonstop to get from Atlanta to Athens. This, I think it may be a little bit more rugged in um, Israel. Now, if you were young and healthy and the weather was favorable and you could tolerate 10 to 12 hours of walking a day without a break, it'd still be about at least a three-day journey, right? So, but if you're a much older person, as the church tradition tells us was the case for Jesus' dad, Joseph, even at the time of Jesus' birth, much less 12 years later, then he was almost certainly not going at the rate of a young man or woman. It's interesting to note um, that the fact that the family was taking this trip at all is already a strong sign of their faithfulness. Mary, as a woman, was not required to make the annual journey for the Feast of the Passover. And Joseph, even though he might otherwise be obligated, was not because of what we know about his advanced age by this point, and him, uh, again, already being elderly, even when Jesus was born, and also because his family was poor and he had to perform manual labor in order to sustain it. Nevertheless, they made this journey, as it says they did every, each and every year. Now, I don't know if you did any traveling over the holidays or recently, but I've been traveling a lot over the past few months. It seemed everyone needed to have meetings they'd been postponing over the past few years in whatever corner of the world they might be. But anyway, whether you're taking a day trip or a multi-day journey as our Lord and his family did, I'm sure you put some planning into it. Maybe it's simply thinking, as I sometimes do, just about dressing myself to be sure I have all the parts in my wardrobe if it's merely a shorter business trip. But on the longer trips, I have a checklist. Since I don't think literacy was common in Jesus' time, I wonder what folks did to be sure they didn't leave anything behind that they needed. Or perhaps they just had simpler lives. They didn't need their phone, computer, the chargers, the book, the camera, the special shampoo, etc. They just needed the shoes on their feet, the clothes on their back, a little money, some provisions, a donkey maybe, etc. 
And perhaps that is part of the first lesson we can learn as I introduce the topic of what I want to discuss with you today. Jesus and his family are traveling to the earthly Jerusalem, but how do we prepare for our journey to the heavenly Jerusalem? Jesus and his family had simply a few-day journey to get from Jerusalem, from their home in Nazareth, but we have a lifelong journey to get ourselves to the heavenly Jerusalem. So how are we preparing ourselves for that long journey? This seems to be a good topic for one of our first services after the new year, when I imagine maybe you made at least one resolution of your own. Maybe, maybe that resolution was not to make any resolutions, but did you make a resolution maybe about how you'd make your journey to the heavenly Jerusalem smoother this year? And if not, what would you take with you? It turns out that preparing for a trip to the heavenly Jerusalem isn't that different from packing for a multi-day journey that takes us between earthbound towns. And as I already noted, one, perhaps one of the best things we can do is not ever pack. Perhaps we should keep it simple, as people in the first century would have. I think we simply need a few clothes, a few provisions on our person, and a plan for some good stops along the way. First, good clothes. What do, what do good clothes offer us here on earth? They keep us warm. Keep us get from getting burnt by the sun. Our shoes keep our feet from getting torn up by the ground. They give us a place to keep the things we have with us, like our little bit of money or a little bit of food safe from pickpockets, etc. In short, good clothing protects us from the harsh elements that we find in the environment around us. If you were going on a long journey, I don't think you'd choose your fanciest clothes. Now, they, they tend to be too fragile, and again, you need to pack light. So there isn't room in your little backpack for them. You're going to have to launder them and if they get sufficiently dirty because you can't carry you know, five replacements. And frankly, if you're living in the first century, especially if you were poor at the time, you only had a couple outfits anyway. But what is the clothing that we should be wearing on our journey to the heavenly Jerusalem? Well, it's a garment about which we spoke just a couple of weeks ago at our Christmas Eve Mass when we baptized and chrismated our newest family members. Receive this white garment and see thou carry it without stain before the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ, that thou mayest have eternal life. But is that white garment literally that little white stole that I set upon their heads? Of course not. We know that it's symbolic of the wedding garment, of the marriage feast of the Lamb, without which we will be cast out if we appear before the King, as we hear Jesus tell us in Matthew 22. It is the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean. As the prophet Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And though Jesus does the cleaning and gives us the purest white garment, we are to carry it without stain. We must do our part to keep it clean. I'll never forget, even though I forget the details of the origin of who said it, that although we get our we get our garments black as clergy, our job is to turn them white. You have the easy job then. All you have to do is keep your white clothes white. So how do we keep our clothes white? Well, of course, first and foremost, we struggle against flesh, the flesh, the world, and the devil. We try our best to keep ourselves pure and in alignment with the Lord of Lords. But our Father in heaven is perfect. And although we are called by our Lord to be likewise perfect, we often fail. So we get our clothes washed regularly. We partake of the body and blood of the Lord. And if we need more, and we often do, even if we won't readily admit it, we go to the dry cleaners. We go to confession, and we confess our sins to the Lord before the priest so that he can reassure us of God's bottomless forgiveness and provide us counsel and correction as needed. 
If you love me, keep my commandments, says our Lord Jesus Christ. So I exhort you and myself to always do so and thereby show our love to our Lord Jesus Christ. Next, you need sufficient provision. When you're away from home, you don't have a fridge or pantry you can just walk over to and grab a meal from it. You need to have brought some of your own, or more likely you need some money so you can have a much more nutritious and tasty meal than that trail mix you stuck in your luggage. So what are the provisions for our journey to Jerusalem? What will fuel your trip? Keep it moving forward. Some of this we, we already understand a part of because we've been talking about it, and you also understand it because you're here today, or maybe you're listening to this later. You need church. You need to be around others who are journeying the same way that you are. Our Lord and his family did not travel alone. They traveled together. That in and of itself is a type of provision. Perhaps you left your toothpaste at home. Then I bet you can find someone in your caravan to share. It helps to have others who are on the same journey. But in the sense that I'm interested in talking about it, I want to flip it around. Because we think of our provisions as something we spend, right? So in this instance, perhaps you're the one willing to share some of your toothpaste or the food you brought with one of your fellow travelers who came a little less prepared. Or perhaps they hit a hard patch on the way, as we all do from time to time. So charity is part of the provision we should have with us on our journey. Perhaps you're also poor, perhaps out of work and without the means to share of your treasure with others. Maybe you ask yourself, how can I give when I have nothing? And I tell you, there are many ways that you can be charitable to others. You can pray for them. You can offer kind words to your family member, coworker, or that random person you meet in the street. Thank God for the blessings you have in your life. Resist getting angry, losing your patience, making the snide comment. There are always ways to be charitable, even if you have not a penny to your name. You can be rich with what you offer to those around you, and I assure you, if you are, that your Father in heaven will reward you. Finally, we need to have a plan of where we are going to stop along the way. We need some good places to stop, to relax, rest, recharge. We're not robots. We have to sleep, we have to eat and drink, or we'll faint along the way. Even our Lord knew this when the multitude came into the wilderness to hear him speak. Although we've already mentioned them to some extent, the church services are a place for that rest and refreshment. When we take a little time out of our busy weeks for church, we will find it to be a refreshing experience. Just make sure you don't think of it as yet another checkbox on your to-do list. Church is important. It's sort of like when you make your hobby your job, it can become drudgery. Try not to do that with church. Instead, realize what benefit it offers you. and Recognize that all those other things that try to pull you away from it are the rat race. Commit to be at church on Sundays and the important feast this year. Make your schedule around the church, around Christ's calendar, rather than the one everyone else makes for you. And I assure you that you'll find respite here. Rest in your trust in God. God loves you. Read his word regularly. Pray. Not because you need something or someone else needs something. That's good. Do that too. But because pray because you want a better relationship with the God who created you. So whenever we take a journey, we need to plan. And as we start a new year, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan for how your journey will carry you closer to the heavenly Jerusalem this year? Do you have the clothes, provisions, and places to rest along the way? Our Lord is calling you home. And by making some simple preparations, bringing the right clothes, spending the right spiritual provisions, 
and resting appropriately along the way, the Church and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can assure you a safe end, eternal joyous communion in the presence of our loving Lord. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.